welcome to 512 Degrees, everybody. The podcast where we dive deep into the sizzling stories of chefs, artists, and influencers. Join us as we explore their extraordinary lives, savor their inspiring careers, and uncover the secret ingredients behind their incredible passions. Get ready to ignite your curiosity and feed your soul with zestful conversations that will leave you hungry for more. Today, we chat with Ambassador of Life and Sport, professional photographer and full-time traveler based out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Matt Cardis. This conversation dives into how Matt was able to create this journey successfully, his brand, and his mission to make golf approachable for all. Without further ado, please welcome Matt Cardis to the show. Matt Cardis, welcome to 512 Degrees. Super excited to be chatting with you. We're sitting here on a Friday before Labor Day weekend. And as a self-proclaimed golf nerd myself, I am super excited about all the golf I'm going to be playing. So no better person to be kicking this Friday off than with you. So welcome to 512 Degrees. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I know a lot of people know you, some people may not. I was trying to, you know, figure out a way to kind of encapsulate what you do on a day-to-day basis. You're a photographer, you're a golfer, and you travel in a van. And you've kind of merged all of those things together to to live a life that way. So tell me how that all kind of came about, how each of those components kind of fit into um, the, the life that you've built for yourself today. Yeah, it's definitely hard to pin a label on exactly what I do, right? You know, at at the heart of it, I'm a photographer. But, you know, as this whole thing's progressed, I wear a lot of hats to make this happen, right? Um, You know, going back, I guess, where should I start? I think uh, probably right out of college is probably the best place to start. You know, once I graduated college, I, I never understood the mindset of working towards retirement, right? You know, I was the type of person that, you know, likes to live in the moment, do the things I love on a daily basis and kind of found myself moving to to Wyoming t- to do the things that I love to do. You know, I, I'm a avid outdoorsman, uh, snowboarding, skiing, fly fishing, you name it, I, outdoors, I do it. And, you know, so out of college, I made a kind of life decision that I wanted to live in the mountains where I could do the things I love to do on a daily basis. And, you know, golf in your state really came about as a culmination of a number of things, but you know, at the heart of it, I was a photographer. My background was in landscape and wildlife photography, going into Yellowstone National Park and photographing grizzly bears and bison and moose and all those things, you know, native to Jackson. And one day I was just fortunate that I kind of saw a correlation between photographing the things that I love and photographing golfers on a golf course. And, you know, I'd always wanted to do something in photography at the time I was working in advertising for a media company. And, you know, I saw this correlation. I was like, this is it. And, you know, since then, that was fall of 2016. Since then, I've been traveling full time. Uh, I've done over 200,000 miles, you know, documenting the modern day culture of golf in America. I've photographed thousands and thousands of golf courses. I've played with thousands of, you know, golfers from PGA Tour professionals to, you know, the weekend warrior golfer. And, um, you know, my business is kind of, you know, it started around photography, but it's morphed a lot into you know, some influencer marketing, consulting, uh, you know, creative direction. I, I do a lot of different things to keep the ship running. But, um, you know, ultimately, I think photography is what it, what's at the heart of all this for sure. Yeah, that's really awesome. What, what you said about working towards retirement, that kind of resonates with me and kind of my group of friends as well. It's like it's, it seems like such almost uh, 
a sad thing. Nothing, nothing's wrong with it if that is what you want to do. But it's like, okay, you get to 65 or 70 and and then what kind of thing. So, so it's, it's a really kind of mindset that resonates with, I think, a lot of folks that kind of um, listen to this podcast and whatnot. Quick, curious, what? how old were you when you first started playing golf? Uh, you know, I started at, at a really young age because of my father. My father started me when I was a kid. You know, I was probably like five years old or so. And, you know, he was he was the representation of corporate America, right? He worked for the same accounting firm for 43 years, worked his way up the ladder, you know. So I grew up around kind of like that corporate culture, right? And, you know, I always had the mindset that that wasn't necessarily what my life path was going to be. But at the same time, I didn't know exactly what I what I wanted out of life, right? So out of college, I worked seasonal jobs in hotels just so that I could snowboard 100 days a year and fly fish and mountain bike every day in the summer. And then, you know, as I progressed in my professional career, it like got to the point where I was like, you know, I could be, I was working in a cubicle for a media company and I was like, you know, this is a representation of everything that I said I didn't want in my life. And yeah. Yeah. And the golf in your state, obviously that's your, your company, your brand and whatnot. When did, when did you put that label on what you were doing? So when I made the decision to leave my job in advertising, I was like, okay, you know, I got, I, I was making pretty good money at the time. I was like, I'm going to dedicate X amount of money to go travel around and build my portfolio in golf. I mean, at that point, I really hadn't photographed any golf, no courses, very, very little, except when I was like on vacation in Hawaii or something. Um, so I was like, you know, I got to build my portfolio out. So, you know, I dedicated a little bit of money. I ended up stretching that money out for six months. I played uh yeah when I, I basically circled the country um i i played i don't even remember what the number of rounds was it was like i don't even remember it was it was a lot i played a lot of golf in a short amount of time but i was also proud of myself that i was able to like string that money out so far right you know it was a small amount of money that i made go six months you know i really looked back at it and was like i made a lot of right decisions right from the very beginning you know it was like when I was doing the budget, I was like, okay, I could spend X amount of money on hotels and I'd have, it, that would leave me this for golf. And I ended up making the decision to camp, which was, you know, ultimately has become really what my brand revolves around is, you know, feet on the ground. Um, you know, it was one of those things that I, I ended up saving a ton of money, but at the same time, it really kind of created the formula for golf in your state, which was, was pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. It's a, like something you were doing out of necessity, but it ended up being the thing that most people would know you by today. I think, necessity you know, and passion. I mean, there was a lot yeah. of it, it put this passion behind my journey, right? Because, you know, ultimately I love to camp and, you know, it just fits so naturally into what I was doing. And, you know, ultimately it was like, okay, people at that point were talking about the game of golf and, you know, golf's a dying sport. And I knew that there was like this group of people that would, you know, be intrigued by the way that I was approaching golf travel because it was pretty unique at the time. And um, yeah, so it was, it, it really, you know, as much as it was a necessity out of budget, it was almost like the perfect mix of, of, kind of putting some of my passion into kind of the way that I was traveling around the game of golf. Yeah, 100%. I'm, you know, I, I grew up in like the nineties and whatnot. And when I think of like golf vacations or travel, you think of like, you know, really bougie stuff and whatnot. You don't, you don't think of what you're doing, but now what you're doing is like more common and 
it, it's really cool that, you know, you showed that, um, that golf in that light and it's something that a lot of people are appreciating. I think, you know, when, you know, I look at you and most golfers look at you, you are living the dream, right? You're playing a ton of golf, you're traveling the country, you're getting to meet cool people, play golf with them. Does it feel like that to you currently? And do you think you could do this for forever, essentially? I mean, it, my business, it, it's tough, you know, as, as the business has grown, there's obviously more and more obligations associated with such, but, you know, it, it's, it's a tough thing running this as a one man show. I mean, I have a lot of obligations. I'm, you know, constantly moving. You think about my day to day, as far as just driving, navigating, you know, content, all the things that I'm doing, right. Uh, you know, it stacks up and it's, it's a hard thing to manage as far as, you know, time and effort and energy and everything else. Uh, you know, I, I do, I, I don't see an end to it. Um, you know, I think it constantly has been evolving is, is probably the best way that I would answer that. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I first started, I was on the road, like a legitimate 365 <laughs> and now it's kind of, you know, I'm starting to rein back my travel a little bit just based on, you know, projects and things that I have on the books um, and really like targeting my travel towards those projects. And, you know, how can I squeeze in a, an extra couple of weeks of, you know, of uh, of travel and, and this journey around something that I already have scheduled uh, before I used to just kind of like travel at a whim based on something that I had. But it, it was a lot more free flowing. Now it's a little bit more structured, I would say. That makes sense. It's crazy to me. Um, you know, like if you look from externally, I'd be like, oh, you probably have like a two, five, 10 man team that you still do everything yourself. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, what it is definitely outsource quite a bit of help. Um, but, you know, it, again, it just kind of depends on the scope of project and the things that I'm doing, whether or not I'm bringing people on or I'm outsourcing editing or, you know, but from a day to day logistics standpoint, it is still just me. Um, you know, from my partnership standpoint, you know, I work with a, a number of different agencies and, and such. But, you know, it's uh, it, for the most part, it, it is myself kind of, you know, grinding the gears. And, you know, you talk about something built out of hustle this is the definition of it right yeah uh, you talk, talk about the american dream like you know it's not only a golfer's dream you know i've made a business out of an idea that i had you know when i started this thing you know i could look at commercial photographers and you know just photography in general and i was like you know i could follow that path and that really was the game plan from the very beginning you know i want to be a commercial golf course photographer i want to have my my photos published in golf digest right and then as the whole thing started growing, I really saw kind of, you know, the power of social media and, you know, social media was still very new to the game of golf when I started all of this. And like you mentioned, the way that I travel, I wasn't the first one traveling out of an RV, but, you know, most of the people at that time were retired couples that were just like, you know, taking a golf vacation out of their RV. It wasn't like there was people, you know, photographers, especially you know, living van life. And I was kind of on the front edge of all of that, right? You know, it's become this very, very popular trend. But, 
you know, at the, when I first started, it was something that was completely new. I mean, for the first two years, I lived out of a pop-up tent on top of my car. <laughs> so yeah. if there's any, any scope on like where this has started and where this is went, you know, I started out of a pop-up tent on my car for two years to now being in the van full time. And yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, it's crazy to think about that. And it's crazy to think that that's all happened in, you know, like the last decade, it's not like a 30 year journey, but 10 years isn't that crazy amount of the time or, or less than 10 years. So that's insane. I think wh- one thing you mentioned, I'm just curious on your thoughts on this. You mentioned, you know, obviously you, you um, have a business here and you mentioned the term influencer. Is that a term that you look at as neutral, positive, negative? I, I know a lot of folks see you as an influencer. What are, what are your thoughts on just that term? I guess I'm curious. You know, I hate, I, I really don't like the term influencer. You know, when I think about influence, you know, I don't think about, you know, influencing buying decisions. Like I think most people in the social media space do, right. You know, I'm yeah. really looking at like impact on the game. You know, so, so, uh, one of my brand partners considers me ambassador of sport. Like as I'm traveling around and the, the van is so, you know, off focus golf centric so to speak people you know the conversations that i'm having with the general public are always about the game of golf not even necessarily about what i'm doing in my travels it's about the game of golf and how i look at myself as you know a representation of the modern day culture of the game um so it's become kind of like you know this bigger impact i would say rather than you know what people would traditionally consider like an influencer does that make sense Am I making that, sense? That, that does. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it seems like, um, the term influencer, like if you see it in the news and whatnot, it's, um, simplified to like, Hey, post about this protein bar, get X dollars, end of story kind of thing. But we're talking about a lot more than that here. Yeah. I think, I, yeah. I, I think when most people like, if you, I don't even, I've never really looked at the definition of influencer, but I think, you know, it really, at the heart of it, most people think of like influencing buying decisions, um, yeah. trying to convince people to buy a product because you support it. And for me, it's 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 much bigger than that. Like, you know, I don't really consider myself an influencer. I consider myself a photographer, digital creator. But, you know, it's it's one of those things that it kind of it has to fit with, with having formal brand partnerships with Adidas golf and, you know, electric sunglasses, cobalt rangefinders. So, you know, I have these formal brand partners that, you know, it automatically kind of puts me in to that influencer marketing uh, bucket, so to speak, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So we've kind of, um, you know, you've mentioned a few times this is the, the van, the iconic van that is amazing and very photogenic. And I'm sure everyone comes up to you when they see it. Um, are you, I'm just curious. I know there's like van culture out there. I'll like sometimes go down or I, I, I live in Houston. I'm not, I've never gone camping or anything like that in a van. Um, or anything of that nature. Uh, but I'll even I'll go down like YouTube rabbit holes of like various modifications people have made to vans and the cool things they've done. I'm like, man, that looks really cool. They could like live off of this for like some some insane setups for like weeks or months, that kind of thing. Are you would you consider yourself like a, um, a van geek? And have you like gone through many? Or have you just had one? And what 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 does that side of things look like? I've only had one, but I do consider myself kind of a van van geek so to speak i mean mine is pretty special in the fact that you know i've turned it into like a golf art installation right you know as you look at the van 
everybody that I play with along the way, I have them sign the side of it. You know, the inside's filled with artwork that people have given to me, made for me, things I've collected from my travels, all relating to golf. So as as you look at the van, it, it really represents, you know, my journey around the game of golf, which is one of the coolest things to me, right? You know, as I'm sitting in it, you know, I'm proud of it. And it's something that I love showing people because it, you know, starts these conversations and really shows my passion. And uh, in the artistic side of the things that I do, right, as I, you know, consider myself an artist, so to speak, like, you know, I can look at the van and be like, I made this, right? You know, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, the individual components all came from somewhere. But, you know, as you compile it and turn it into this installation, it's like, it's something I can be very, very proud of. Um, You know, I did a lot of research when I got into the van. Uh, I consider it a number of different models, you know, I really broke it down every way. I was like, all right, I can get a new vehicle. I can get a used vehicle. I can build it out myself or I can outsource somebody to build it through for me through a third party or a friend. And, you know, from my, for where I was at at the time and how I was trying to elevate the things that I was doing on the brand partnership side, I was like, you know, I don't really have the construction skills to build it out the way that I want it built in order to present it the way that I'm thinking about. I was like, I'm either going to have to, you know, outsource it or buy a pre-built one. And for me, like, you know, I cut it up every way. I was like, all right, you know, I ended up going with a Winnebago build just because, you know, with my travel style, how frequent I'm on the road, you know, my schedule of getting from one place to another. I was like, if anything breaks, you know, I can just take it to a Winnebago retailer and I'll have it fixed within a day or two versus going through a third party where a lot of times you have to go through the manufacturer of the components. So say the fridge breaks, I would have to go through that manufacturer in order to get any type of repair or warranty done. And it's just like, it seemed a lot more of a headache for, you know, the $10,000 savings I was going to have. Um, so I ended up going with a Winnebago build just because it made the most sense for me at the time. Um, but you know, since then I've been looking at, you know, other, other types of vans, other types of vehicles. I mean, you asked if I could do this for forever, right? You know, there's always transitions and, you know, the van is, uh, it served its purpose, but you know, I see something else on the horizon for sure. Nice. Nice. What is, and maybe this is like a question, like, uh, picking one of your favorite kids what's your favorite like one feature or one kind of quirk in your van that you're like i can't live without this like maybe a random cup holder or maybe something just super random and quirky Man, that's a hard question to answer there's <laughs> a lot there's a lot of things you know as i look at the first the transition right from going living in my car on a, in a rooftop tent to getting in the van i would say the biggest the biggest thing would be electricity you know, the van's solar powered. So the constant flow of electricity, you know, as I'm charging my batteries and on my computer and so many things that I do, um, you know, I would say that that's probably like the number one. If I could say one thing, I think that would be it. If you're asking for something quirky, like the swivel seats, the, the front seats swivel or they turn around so that you can sit towards the back. I would nice. say that's probably one of that's definitely one of the the kind of quirkier things that I enjoy. I also yeah, have that's... to be in the right place to use it though, right? Like I don't use it that often just because like I have to be somewhere that it's not something that I can just do quickly just based on 
how I have like the center console set up. Like I have to basically move everything out of the middle between the seats in order to swivel them. So it's like, I got to be somewhere where I know I'm going to be there for a couple of days to even want to do it just because it's a little bit of work to do it where, I mean, the van's really set up that it's supposed to be super easy to do that kind of thing. Right. But just with how I have the van set, like it takes me a little bit of work in order to do it. But it's like, if I woke up in the morning and I was rushed and I need to get out, that would be something that I'd be like, I'm just going to leave it until I get back. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm not going to spend the 15 minutes to get it reset just to drive. I would just drive with it in the wrong direction. Does that make sense? <laughs> that would be interesting. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, you obviously not the over. driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> obviously yeah. not the driver's seat. I'm talking about the passenger seat, but. Uh, absolutely yeah that 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 would be quite a feat uh, in the driver's seat with swivel chairs driving <laughs> yeah. um what um I, uh, so obviously with the van you have to be really efficient with the space in the van has any of that carried over to how you live at home like is your the, the, how you use space at home impacted or not really you just live like a like no. the rest of us yeah it, I, you know i'm almost it, it's so few and far between usually when i go home it's like for a very short stint It's usually like I have too much stuff in the van that I need to get home to drop stuff out of the van, kind of regroup, refresh the van, you know. So a lot of times I'm literally just throwing boxes in the house and then moving on. (laughs) Um, So it's not like I I would say no. I mean, you know, a lot of people that convert over to van life, you know, they're trying to get down to 50 items total in the van, something like that, you know, with the brand partners that I do and the things that, you know, it's just not realistic in my world just because there's constantly things coming in, you know, me trying to make space in the van. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And and as a golfer, you got to have your, your arsenal of golf supplies and that, that adds up quickly. (laughs) I mean, if I added up my, my junk golf balls that are in the van right now, I'd probably hit 50 would be my guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just like the random things that end up in there it's just like insane but yeah it hasn't really you know as i i look at the van and i'm like it's really organized but most would get in the van and be like this thing's a mess right and i always say <laughs> you're seeing it as real as it gets i'm not like that you know instagram influencer living van life that everything is pretty and you know i'm not that guy Right. I am the one that's grinding on the road. You know, a lot of times you'll find just dirty clothes. I'm truly living out of my van where I feel like a lot of people that are posting things on social media that are doing this are glamour, glamorizing it in some way, shape or form to make it look like it's the most beautiful thing on earth where I'm literally, you know, peeing in bottles and (laughs) it's not not glamorous believe me it's not glamorous yeah 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 you don't park at the ritz at the end of your day (laughs) uh usually not i might i might try and park at the ritz to use their shower but you know i'm not yeah (laughs) that 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 is real for sure where are you currently located physically right now i'm currently outside my parents home in indiana uh, okay. I've, been, I've been here for a couple of weeks. I, I've been using Indiana as kind of my jump jump off point. I had a, a influencer tournament up in Minnesota. I was at the BMW Championship Media Day in Chicago. I had an event in New York City. So I've been kind of jumping out of here, taking flights to these different locations the past couple of weeks. 
uh, got back here, had kind of a week that I've been buttoning down on some back end stuff, just grinding through some emails and whatnot. And I'm about to hit the road. Like you said, it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, about to hit the road on Monday uh, out to Colorado. I got a tournament with Colorado Golf Blog on the 9th. And then I'm heading back to Wyoming for probably a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, the grind's about to start again. I've been, I've been busy, but I haven't really been traveling out of the van and driving all that much. And it's about to all start again. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, uh, maybe that uh, first day of school the night before kind of feeling what, um, have you, what, what spots have you hit in Texas? I'm curious. Have you been to, um, major cities in Texas or no? Yeah, I've been to Texas quite a bit. Um, You know, every year I try to pick a couple pro bono projects that, you know, I'm happy to support some type of fundraising initiatives. And uh, I've been fortunate since the very beginning. I linked up with the guys at Cricket and I've made the Invitational one of my yearly commitments. Um, So every year I head down to Austin. It's traditionally been the same week as the Dell match play. Obviously, that's changed a little bit uh, for 2024. But, um, yeah, traditionally, it's the same week as the Dell Match Play. I'll head down to Austin for this charity event. Uh, it's a fundraising uh, event for Lions Municipal. Uh, if you've never played Lions, highly suggest it. It's a fantastic place. A uh, lot of history there. I mean, should we talk about it? You want to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about it. I'm actually wearing, I'm, I'm not sure if you can see me. I'm wearing a cricket hat right now. I have a bunch Are of you? shirts. Awesome. Uh, you awesome. Huge, huge fan of their brand. Yeah, they're awesome guys. They've become really, really good friends over the years. Uh, You know, Lions Municipal, obviously a fantastic place. First desegregated golf course in the state of Texas. Uh, That's where Ben Crenshaw learned to play golf. You know, there's a lot of history there. It's owned by the University of Texas, and they've had a master plan to develop the land for a long time. And, you know, Save Muni, the nonprofit there, has... uh, really been trying to bring awareness to the historical significance of the property and um so it's something you know when i was working with cricket way back in the day um you know i coincidentally got an invite to this through one of my instagram followers and you know i attended the event and i mean here we go uh, uh, i'll tell an embarrassing story so um so i got invited to play in the tournament the first year and you know at that point i was still like you know doing a little bit of work with cricket here and there they'd sponsor little projects or trips that i was doing and um you know there was an opportunity that that tournament they give an award for the furthest traveled the person that travels from the furthest to attend the event wins a prize and then they challenge you with that prize the prize is a five foot pink penis pinata (laughs) And and the challenge is if you can get that penis pinata home, they'll give you a lifetime exemption to the tournament. And, you know, I realized the first year I went how much fun it was, how coveted the spots were like you couldn't get into this tournament if you wanted to because it was sold out. And, you know, I was like, this is an opportunity for me to really build my relationship with these guys, show them like that I, you know, that I am who I am, right? Like, I just don't give a fuck. And, yeah. uh, 
you know, so I ended up accomplishing the tasks. I brought the pink penis pinata on my flight home. I documented the whole thing, put it on my Instagram. They were like, Matt, you're not only the first person to do this. You're the first person to ever try to do this. And <laughs> so now I have a lifetime exemption. My rule is that it's such a fun tournament. It's a huge costume party and whatnot. And my rule is every year I bring a different person to the tournament. And since then, I've brought multiple people that have ended up getting their own spots and bringing their own teams. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me because obviously, you know, I just love to have fun with it. And, you know, I love a good party. So, um, you know, bringing people and, you know, showing them the relationship that I've built with the community in Austin and the people. And, you know, it's always such a fun event. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how that came to be i guess um you know i've played a lot around texas though i, I kind of focus on that just because it's something that i have like a deep intimate connection with but you know I, I i can look across the state and you know there's dozens of fantastic courses that i've played you know i think about like keaton park in dallas right a place that might have been overlooked when i was uh, traveling for the golf ball project. Basically, I did this six month uh, project where I traveled around the country, bring groups of golfers together to give back to the communities that I visited. And Dallas was one of the the cities that I chose for that project. We ended up doing a, a community cleanup in Deep Ellum. And then, you know, after the community service side of the day, there was always golf tied into it. So as I rolled into Dallas and I was looking for, you know, the perfect place to bring the group after after the community service, I, I looked at all the municipal golf courses. I played a lot of them and I ended up choosing Keaton Park just based on, you know, the vibe and, and the owners. And it was funny. I walked in the pro shop and I was like pitching the idea to the kid behind the counter. And all of a sudden I see um, this gentleman kind of pop his head out from the office like what do you want to do <laughs> and it turns out it was ty martinez uh one of the owners the the, the owner the son of the owner i guess um and it, we ended up doing that we we made it the the golf portion of the day and i just built a great relationship with ty and his father tony and we're still really really close to this day so i mean like you know, I, I guess you can, most people might expect me to say like the best of the best, the Trinity Forest and, you know, these fantastic places. But for me, it all comes back to, you know, the experience, right? And, you know, the culture and everything else that goes with it. And so, you know, you asked me what my favorite round in Texas is, I would probably say Keaton Park. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I've played some of the best in the state too. And, you know, I look again at Austin. I mean, I've played Spanish Oaks and uh, Wolf Dancer and, you know, Dallas, uh, Texas Rangers and Dallas Cowboys and uh, Pine Dunes. Like, Pine Dunes is a good sleepy one kind of off the radar that's just absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think most people would say, think that I would say the best and not necessarily. Old American, there's so much good golf in Texas. There really is. Yeah, we really are spoiled down here. It's always warm. There's year-round golf. And like you mentioned, every major city and then even outside the major cities, there's just so much good quality golf. And I'm glad you kind of talked about Lions. It is such a historical place for so many good reasons. And it's definitely, you know, I hope it exists in 50 years, 100 years. And I, I personally went to the University of Texas. And whenever I hear rumblings of them, you know, selling it or developing it or doing this, I'm like, man, you guys don't don't need the money, don't need any of that. This is something that's there for the public that kind of is 
welcoming from the old days till today. And I agree. I, I, I hope it stays for another 200 years. Well, you have to look at like the, the neighborhood that it sits in, right? You're talking about one of the most prolific neighborhoods in all of Austin. The, the land value, I, it's got to be, I understand from the university perspective, right? It's a holding that they have that, you know, potentially could make a, a lot of money if they ever needed it. But the, and the truth of the matter is they don't necessarily need it, right? It's, uh, you know, I think Save Muni's done a great job bringing awareness to the historic angle on the property and saying why this should stay as a golf course and always be a golf course. And, yeah, you know, I think the more effort, you know, the more people they can get behind that mission, the ultimately, you know, the better off it's going to be for the community. And hopefully, like you said, it'll be there for, you know, ever and not developed in any way shape or form um but you know it takes an army so you know as your listeners are in, in texas or anywhere i mean it's it's like i said i pick a couple of these nonprofit kind of initiatives to to be involved with each year and and save muni and, and the invitational is one of those that i, I prioritize every single year I, I just mark my calendar for that final week in, t- in march know that i'm going to be down there to support it you know, a lot of times I don't get the, like the invitation will come maybe a month before. And I always just block that week because I know it's coming up and yeah, I want to make sure that I can be there. So, um, yeah. yeah. And you got that lifetime invitation. So why not? <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I get to share this fantastic event with so many different people like every year. It's funny. I was on the, I was on a phone call last week with one of my friends in California that I was talking about, I mentioned that I'm going to this tournament in Colorado and we had talked months ago about potentially playing together in it. And he's got young kids, uh, you know, they play sports and whatever. And, you know, September's a tough month for him. So I was calling him knowing that he wasn't going to be able to do it, but I called him anyways. And I was like, any chance you want to come to Colorado? He's like, man, I'm not going to be able to make it, but I'd love you to give me a call about that tournament in March down in Austin. And I was like, really? <laughs> this is where what it's August. And he's already <laughs> thinking about this tournament in March that he's just seen on my social channel. Um, so it is That's a, really cool. a, a truly a special one. So, so in all your um, drives in Texas, kind of large state, have you ever stopped at a Bucky's? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Bucky's and how proud we are of it? And, how it's like an iconic place or <laughs> I mean Bucky's is probably the best gas station there is. I mean I I've traveled everywhere and like I said I've done over 200,000 miles at this point. I have not seen anything that even comes close to t- touching Bucky's from like an offering standpoint, right? Like um uh, yeah, it's it's uh it, it's it's a unique place for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like People people go on road trips and the, you don't really look forward to the destination as much as you look forward to Bucky's and grabbing some unhealthy snacks and spent wa- wasting an hour there and going to clean bathrooms and whatnot. But I, I guess that's our obsession with Bucky's. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it's like the definition of everything's bigger in Texas, right? Like you pull yeah. in there and you're like, how many gas pumps do you really need at this place, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's it's so expansive for for any gas station that I like. It's nothing touches it. I can't think of anything. Can I stop at like a lot of truck stops? And you know, you think about big truck stops on the side of an interstate. Like it doesn't even compare. 
And one thing I really like about it is, you know, that the big rigs, there's the, they don't have accommodation for big rigs there. So, you know, yeah. you talk about the cleanliness of the bathroom, like just things like that, right? That alone kind of, it, you know, makes it a little bit nicer just because you don't have that element there. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool place for sure. Yeah, I, I like to joke it. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was thinking about like what I actually go there for, right? Like, you know, I went through kind of these waves where, um, you know, the jerky's always been kind of like a highlight for me. Um, you know, what's the, what's the Czech, uh, the Czech donuts? Kol- kolaches? Is that kolaches? what it is? Yeah, yeah. Kolaches. Like, I used to go there for the kolaches. And then I found about, out about the, the Czech bakery. So now, now I skip the kolaches at Bucky's and I go to the the little Czech bakery. Have you ever been there? I have not. No, where where is oh that? Oh my at? god, it is so good. I couldn't even tell you where it is. It's north. If you're heading from Dallas to Austin, it's north of the Bucky's. Okay. Um, okay. I I think it's called the Little Czech Bakery. There's a bunch of them. There's a little town that has like three or four places. Um, but that is the best place to get the kolaches. So, like over time, things that have ended up like you know learning things about about texas that i'm like okay i'm gonna go there for my kolaches i'll stop at bucky's for jerky and yeah <laughs> nice yeah we I, I was gonna ask you any memorable stops or like food related things in texas and that there it is so that i got my i mean that for me <laughs> yeah that's um that's what that's a little sleeper one that you know i'm surprised you don't know about it I feel like that's yeah. a real Texas thing. Like, you want kolaches, you got to go to this place. Like, there's one, I think it's called the Little Czech Bakery. Okay. Um, uh, I'll, I'll have to see if one of, if any of my other um, kind of group here have, have gone. I've, I, so I grew up in Houston, obviously went to Austin for college, and I've just kind of stayed in that little kind of south central part of Texas. I've probably gone to Dallas maybe two, three times in my in my entire life, which is kind of crazy. Oh, really? I should have gone more. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, Texas is a big place, man. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. So, so when you're driving, what what's your uh, kind of go to music? Do you listen to music, or is it podcasts, or is it silence? What 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 does no, that? No, I, I definitely listen to music. Podcasts put me to sleep while I'm driving. I, I can't do talk radio very well, so you know, I, yeah. I typically listen to music. Um, you know, I got a pretty wide taste as far as music's concerned. I listen to a little bit of everything. Um. Yeah, there's yeah, it's too hard to pin down. I I, I have a, a a real uh, eclectic taste when it comes to music. Yeah, that's good that you're always jumping into something fresh because there's new stuff coming out in every genre. One thing I want to ask you: you mentioned food, and one yeah. thing that I think about what do, what do people from Texas think about torchies? So you know, as you as, that's where my as soon as you said food, you know, I remember going to the original Torchies food truck back when it was just like, yeah, back in the day, it was for me, I grew up in Southern California and I love street tacos. And the first time I had Torchies out of the food truck, I was like, these tacos are so fantastic. Like, you know, it was probably like the most gourmet tacos I had ever had at that point. And, you know, it's become this trend of, you know, kind of, fancier taco spots across the country but torchies has kind of blown up since i first went to that food truck now there's locations i I think every i mean i saw one in arizona recently um what do people from texas think of torchies have you ever eaten there 
I have, yeah. So I went to college in Austin. When I was in Austin, I loved torchies, had it all the time. Um, people in Austin love it. It's um, You can't go wrong with bringing over torchies to a party or anything like that. I would say outside of Austin, it's seen as good, not great. So I lived in San Antonio for uh, four or three years as well. And there the food scene is amazing. You could literally go to like a gas station, taqueria in the back and have the best tacos, enchiladas, anything you could could ever ask for really. And so you go to like San Antonio and you mentioned torchies and people are like, yeah, whatever, you know, we, 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 we have like a million mom and pop places that are better. Um, but if you're in Austin, um, you can't go wrong. My personal opinion on torchies, I love it. I mean, if, if, if I see a torchies and I'm in a new place, I, I lived briefly in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, um, when torchies came into town there, I was like super excited, forced all my friends to go. Everyone was impressed and loved it and i was like oh you know this this is the place you know this reminds me of the college day so um that yeah that's my two cents on torchies it's probably a similar mindset to southern california right that it's uh, you know traditional street tacos are very very different than a place like torchies right it's kind of an yeah. americanized version of you know the taco and kind of this glamour glamorization of it i guess is probably the best way to put it i can yeah. see why people be like ah oh, yeah it's not as great as people make it out to be but i can tell you that day that i stumbled upon that food truck i just randomly found it one day um it was the original location and i was just like man this place is gonna blow up and sure enough it did yeah and even till this day i don't know if it's just something mental or whatnot but when you go to the original location it's like oh man these are like 20 percent better than what i got like at the you know big fancy location at the mall or whatever yeah 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 so um your head yeah, it's probably in my head. A lot, so much of it's mental. It's like um, uh, melatonin. I use that to, you know, sometimes fall asleep. And I'm like, there's no way this thing's making me fall asleep. It's all mental. Yeah. <laughs> what um? So uh, one golf question, and then we'll close it out. What are you a? You know, you obviously have a lot of equipment. You work with lots of pro- partners and whatnot. Are you a golf um, golf club junkie in terms of like, oh, I gotta get this loft, this degrees, I gotta get fitted, or are you more like, hey, whatever, give me a nine five stiff shaft and I'll have at it. I mean, a little bit of both. I yeah. obviously with I've done stuff with Callaway over the years, so you know I'm fortunate that I have the opportunity to get fitted to be playing equipment that's that's right for me. Um, but I'm also the type that you know if I'm just hanging out with some people on a golf course, I'll just grab their club and hit it, and not think anything of it. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've recently got into more older equipment um you know i've been playing persimmon woods and just for fun you know i've been hey I, I was i was actually in southern california at a place called goat hill park and one of the employees there asked i basically we had agreed to play together and he's like all right i'm gonna bring he's like leave your driver in your woods in the car i'm gonna bring you something he ended up bringing me a whole set of persimmon woods and, I, and you know i ended up playing them for the day and just absolutely fell in love with it and, you know, it's cool that, you know, I just kind of keep it in my bag and, you know, as I'm playing with people and we're just having a good time, I'll, I'll pull it out, let people hit it and whatnot. And, um, you know, I've thought about getting a set of hickories and, you know, I, I, I enjoy golf for what it is. I don't necessarily, you know, look at score so much. I'm just out to have a good time and have fun with it and all that good stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way. I, I used to play high school golf and I was, I remember I used to be more miserable on the course than happy. And then once I was like, okay, you're not going to be a pro. You're not going to, you know, do crazy things with golf. It's supposed to be a stress relief. Like now it's like the most fun. And 
if I, well, it doesn't matter, like you said, what I shoot, it's, it's always fun. And it's just being out there with friends and whatnot. Um, final kind of, okay, I guess more deeper question, you know, I, uh, I, early 2000s is when I got into golf, it was kind of harder to get into the first tees and organization. I'm sure you're familiar with them. That's how I kind of got into golf. And um, as the, you know, years have gone on, it seems like golf has gone more accessible, especially post pandemic in terms of, you know, how easy it is to, you know, even go to a top golf or go to a driving range and play golf. And it's more accessible and the first tees larger and whatnot. Um, lots of, you know, famous people, DJ Khaled and, folks like you are really kind of amplifying it on a more national stage and kind of making it cooler where, you know, someone in 2005 may have been like, oh, that's kind of not a cool thing to do. And so lots of positives, but you obviously see a lot of stuff on the ground. You get to talk with a lot of decision makers at these companies and whatnot. What are some, you know, one or two barriers that you see that still exist that really, um, you know, deter people from getting into the sport or make them, you know, try it and they get scared away? What are what are things that we really need to continue to discuss and address when it comes to the, the golf industry and as a sport? You know, one of my mindsets has always been since I started this is, I, how, again, you know, some of my brand partners call me ambassador of sport, right? And my mindset's always been, how do we make the game more relatable to a larger audience? And, you know, mentioning a place like Topgolf, right? Topgolf's a perfect example of a way that people can dip their toe into the game of golf and have fun with it and, you know, have it be more of an experience than actually going to just a driving range or, you know, going out on a golf course with their friend, right? It's engaging. It's super fun. You know, I think ultimately, you know, the 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 more we can make the game relatable to people, through, whether that's through fashion or culture or whatever it might be, the there's only a benefit that can be seen from it right so you know i look at you know i I look at myself as a representation of the modern day culture of the game me along with you know a lot of other people are helping the game you know see this modern day growth and and kind of the movement that you see in the culture of the game today um you know there are still a lot of barriers out there right price you know accessibility there's a number of different things, but, you know, I think as we continue to go down this path, I think that it's only going to get more and more popular. I think COVID was probably one of the best things for the game because a lot of people picked it up during that COVID period where you couldn't do much. Right. So, you know, I think COVID definitely helped, but, you know, you talk about, you know, fashion brands and golf brands doing collaborations and you know there's all these things that are are appealing to people right now and you look at like customization right everyone in this day and age wants things that are custom and you know as golf is embracing these types of things right it it only makes the game you know, more appealing to people and wanting to be a part of it. And, you know, golf is cool. And, you know, I think there's like a certain level of, of addiction, uh, obsession in the game, right? Once you become truly obsessed with it and truly give it a chance, I feel like most people get that feeling, right? Where they, you know, want to become better. And it's a game of a lifetime, right? It's not like something you're going to pick up and be great at right away. It's something you're going to pick up and not be good at, but want to be better at. And you got to put in that time and play more in order to get better. And as you play more, then you become more, you know, you're seeing more people out on the golf course wearing things that you like and 
you know, a scene equipment and, you know, accessories that, you know, there's so many different layers to that. Right. But, you know, I think there are still barriers out there that, you know, we all need to overcome. Um, you know, I think that there's a big, I shouldn't say big, but there's definitely a division in the game right now between like the traditional golfer and kind of the modern day culture. And, you know, once I think people start to respect each other a little bit, regardless of what side of that you fall on, um, you know, it's, it's, there's still going to be this like moment where golf is truly coming into its own for like what it's going to be right i feel like it's it, there's like this i don't want to say it's changing but it it is in a way right and so you know i think when the traditional golfer embraces the fact that it's changing and doesn't care about people having their shirt tucked in and things along those lines right it's going to make those people that are picking up the game of golf and not having their shirt tucked in feel more comfortable around the game of golf and you know i think that ultimately it, those things are going to happen. It's just a matter of, you know, it, it, there'll be, there'll be a time and place for everything, right? Like there's always going to be those clubs and, you know, places that want you to have your shirt tucked in and, you know, no denim on the golf course and things along those lines. Right. But then there's also those places that are going to truly embrace it. So I think that there's still kind of like this moment that is bound to happen. It's just a matter of like, you know, everyone embracing everyone and being like it's okay golf is okay like it's okay to be that they're enjoying the game just as much as i am regardless of how they enjoy the game does that make sense yeah 100 percent. i think that that's a lesson that we can then take to other parts of life and society and whatnot but yeah a perfect way to put it there's space for everyone in the game and everyone can have their own way of enjoying it and their own interpretation and i think you do an amazing job of showcasing all of those ways across the country and really amplifying some of the, you know, voices and um, types of uh, people that play golf that may not have been amplified, you know, a decade or two decades ago. So I really truly enjoyed this conversation. Thanks a bunch for uh, chatting with, uh, with us, obviously golf in your state. Um, you can find yourself on IG anywhere else people can find you or anything else um, you'd like to say before we close this out. Pretty much you name it, I'm there. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, those are my primary two, but yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, definitely thanks for having me on. Next time I'm in Texas, we'll have to hit it up. Absolutely. Please, please do let me know when you're in Texas and have an amazing weekend and talk soon. All right, sounds great. Thank you. For more information on Matt Cardis, you can check him out on Instagram at Golf in Your State. If you enjoyed today's episode please give us a follow at texas tasty on instagram and at the texas tasty on twitter future episodes of 512 degrees can be found wherever you get your podcasts this is dominic linton signing off until next time y'all